Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear Hotline, they'll include my old buddy Tommy Waddle from Chicago on the travesty that was the Bears' loss last night. We've got controversy on Monday night. We've got a deal that should be made today that could decide the Super Bowl, and we have a beloved sporting event that will never, ever look the same again. The guys are here. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. Wow, the place to start is, again, it is always such a delight for me when we wrap up Get Up every morning. We slide over here and start the radio show to keep some of the guys around here. And today, Dominique Foxworth and Dan Graziano, good enough to stay with us and give us the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. What is? Why, why are the two of you looking at each other like... I supposed to take the jacket off. He yeah, took his jacket off. So is that like a radio thing? No, yeah, but I had my he TV. he kept his on. I had my TV look. I now I got my radio look. Yeah, figure all this out. You're not supposed to do anything. You're supposed right. to be as comfortable, comfortable in any way you want. I appreciate Sweet. you hanging out with you. Okay, we have to start with last night's it's game and the controversy. The, the officiating is what blew up um, our show on, on TV this morning, and I'm, it's what everyone is clearly talking about so dominique yeah i I will just let you start here your your thoughts on the on the taunting penalty on cassius marsh yeah which doesn't ultimately decide the game but it certainly is a big moment yeah i hated seeing it happen and no one wanted to see the game in that way or have that influence the outcome of the game i agree with you greeny on that because i know where you're going with it however as much as I am a player first guy, a defensive guy, and I recognize that the emotions of the moment are hard to manage. I know that like it takes a lot to get your blood pressure up to a point where you want to slam into somebody. Mm-hmm. And then just because the whistle blows, it's hard to turn that off just like that. And I would have stood on the table to fight for Cassius Marsh if he turned to the sideline immediately after the play and looked at the, the Steelers' sideline, or even puffed his chest out or flex, I would have defended him in that moment. But that's not what happened. He got up after the sack, which Jeff pointed out very astutely, a sack that wasn't all that impressive on his behalf. Okay, he but got it's a big after, play nonetheless. Yeah, he got up after the sack, did a jumping roundhouse kick, then he turned his back to the Steelers' sideline to celebrate with his teammates, and then he turned back around and started walking towards the Steelers' sideline, kind of puffing his chest out a little bit, mm. which, like, I want to be on your side, Cassius. However, like, you do all that, it's like 15 seconds after the sack. It's hard not to understand that a flag is being thrown. I, I, I call Graziano letter of the law, Dan, on our TV show in the morning. I'm well, because like you're always... I'm a rebel. <laughs> I, I'm, you, got, you still got your coat on. You ain't no my rebel. my own drummer. I didn't know about the jacket. Explain to me the... the I, I feel like I almost need to go back to the origin of the rule. Why do we have this? Who was demanding this b- besides maybe three owners? No, no. Who was demanding this? Coaches. The coaches subcommittee that meets every offseason to present suggestions to the league about rules said there's a taunting rule on the books. It's not being enforced. The coaches are concerned that fights are going to break out and guys are going to get thrown out of the game. Now, we can debate whether that's a legitimate concern or not. It doesn't seem like something we've seen a lot in recent years. But this was a recommendation that that coaches subcommittee made to the league. So this is a taunting rule. The taunting rule exists. We need to enforce it. And that's why the league made it a point of emphasis this year. Anybody who's watched the NFL this year knows you're not supposed to turn to the other team's sideline right. and, and yell at them after a play. Like That's, that's something that's on cash and, and So then I have to then bring, uh, yes, I get it. You, you are not supposed to violate rules because you don't like them. I understand that. That said, 
Is there or is there not something in the moment of the game? Which is to say, Dominique, there's three minutes and 40 seconds left in a one-possession game, um, and and you make that call. If there's three minutes and 40 seconds left in the first quarter, then I'm in favor of making the call for two reasons. One, because it doesn't immediately impact the outcome in the same way. And two, maybe more significantly, because you have 45 more minutes of football coming up at that point, and you don't want to let the tempers get high. Right. But at this moment in the game, that is not going to instigate anything, and so, I think that should factor in. I would love for that to be the case, but who are you asking to trust? After well, last night's game of the missed <laughs> calls that we saw, the bad calls being made, you're asking those people who missed those calls to have more latitude. I just want them to understand the rules and call them straight, which in that moment, they understood the rules and called them straight. You made a great point this morning that if they didn't call it, we would not be up in arms today yelling about how they missed that call. That's fine. But there will be other situations where if we give them that latitude, they will mess it up. And as we're moving in more into a gambling world, like that's something that we all have to consider that people are having expectation that the rules will be applied consistently throughout the game. No one's going to be okay if they lose some money and it's because the ref thought well i would call that in the second quarter yes it's a penalty but i'm not gonna call it in the fourth but i feel like we've been doing that in sports already we talk about that like we don't do it in the nba they do it are you telling me they don't let stuff go at the end of an nba game in the fourth quarter that they might call in the first or second quarter i mean that's that's the league that had a referee cheating scandal and the league that also has a final two minute report like i i just i'm just saying that it comes with a a pile of nonsense that i'm not sure that we want so i am is i would be more upset if there are missed calls in certain like that um, the Saints game where they had the the playoff game where there was the um, pass interference. That the NFC call. Championship, yeah, the, the NFC, legend, infamous yeah, game. Right. Yeah. So like that to me is egregious. Those are the things that I want to address. I'm not looking to address a referee making a correct call. Like what? We're arguing about making a correct call. We're arguing that he should no longer do that because it ruins the game. Well, Don't Cassius Moss had all the time in the world to not ruin the game himself. And Turn then, around and walk to your sideline. Right after that, and this is Greeny here inviting you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is heating up. Fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Graziano, the, the other piece of the story yeah. last night, on a night where Bears fans are up in arms because there were a lot of calls that seemed to go against them, uh, roughing the passer calls they didn't get, yep. sort of a phantom low block right. that took away a touchdown and everything else. And then after this play with Cassius Marsh, I'm just explaining this for anyone who didn't see it, the referee who calls it, Tony Carrenti, does seem to initiate contact with Marsh as he's running off the field. What did you make of that? I, I, I made of it what you do. is It seems like he was sort of backing up into him. I don't know what his point would have been. Other than maybe he's just annoyed at the guy. Maybe the guy's giving him a hard time. Maybe he's getting booed. I, I have no idea. But look, he's about to throw the flag, and, kind of, and, and Marsh is running, and he backs up into him. I, I think that's crazy, first of all, to do with an NFL player coming at you. But uh, it's also the kind of thing, if the league finds out that he did that intentionally or believes he did that intentionally, they should discipline him because right. it w- it, Marsh yeah. is absolutely right. It that's how it would have gone down the, if it was the other way around, and rightfully so, if a player makes contact with the ref. 
But, you know, this is the kind of thing that puts people in harm's way. It undermines your credibility, right? I mean, like, if you're already somebody that they're on. Yeah, and if you had a game where you've had several calls go against a particular team, and that's the same team that uh, you bump on the way out, like, that's a problem. And I frankly don't care. If it will, if they figure out, if they can read his mind, find out his intent or not. Like yeah. in issues like this, perception is all that really matters. You want to have the, and that's, I mean, that's why large companies go through many different ways to make sure that the, uh, the, um, perception of, of, um, any sort of backroom dealing isn't there. So like right. you have to make sure of that. And in this case, it doesn't matter to me whether he was trying to get out of the way or he wasn't trying to get out of the way. He, it looks very bad for him right now. So the league needs to make sure that they penalize this. If not only to send a message to other referees, cause I don't think there's going to be a rash of referees chest bumping no. or butt bumping players, Feels but unlikely. also to send, to make a clear statement to all of us watching the game that this is not okay. Right. This is yeah. not what we want to happen. And, and I want to make clear what I, I don't for one second think the game was fixed or anything like right. that. The calls were bad, and we right. see this happen all the time. I believe sure. I believe the officials did a bad job last night. I don't believe they were trying yeah. to impact the outcome of the game. Next order of business here. We'll make this Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Um, as we speak, very important things are happening in the National Football League involving a very high-profile player whose initials are OBJ. Dan Graziano, what are those things that are happening right now? Odell Beckham Jr. is currently on on waivers, which means every team in the league has the opportunity to put in a claim for him before 4 p.m. Eastern today. And it goes in reverse order of the standings. So right now the Detroit Lions would have the first claim in the uh, Tennessee, Tennessee Titans. Who has the best record? The, the ti- um, no, Arizona. Arizona, Arizona. Sorry, Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals would have uh, the, the last. And so if any team claims him, then whichever one is highest in the order gets him. But... They also have to eat the $7.25 million still left on his salary for this year. So I, I would expect that he doesn't get claimed, which means at 4.01 p.m. Eastern, he's a free agent who can sign with any team, and I would expect that to happen in short order. And how are you defining short order? I think we'll probably know something tonight. M- meaning in time to play this weekend. Oh, sure. Okay, so so there you have it. So we got a pretty significant event here. We've got to pay him. Uh, well, no, actually, no, here. you don't have to pay him. Uh, the Browns have to pay him. The Browns will have to yeah. pay him. If he clears waivers and the Browns have to pay his salary— yeah. And you get him for a song. I mean, you get him for, yeah. for next to nothing. And so this is a significant move. Is there any reporting you can give us on who would be the likeliest candidate uh, to sign him? Just you, you try and get a sense of who might be interested. You know, technically, there's still technically you're still subject to the tampering rule when a guy's on waivers. So uh-huh. I mean, okay. we can get yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I think um, I, I'm watching out for a, a bunch of NFC West teams. Honestly, the Rams, the 49ers, the Seahawks. I think are all teams that could have some level of interest. Would not be surprised to see the Patriots make a move on this. It se- seems like a Bill Belichick kind of thing to do. Uh, I'm not sure. Am I missing anybody we've talked about? Well, we talked about Green Bay, but that's not something they historically like them, yeah. right? Yeah. It but doesn't. it seems like something that they might want to consider. I mean, I don't know what yeah. the Rodgers... Th- there are relationships. All these guys right. have relationships. Jeff Darlington comes on Get Up all the time and talks with me about how Brady, Tom Brady, yeah. and Odell have a relationship yeah. and have talked about well, wanting to play together. That's an interesting one. Together. And, and, and that would be a very Buccaneers-like move. I have no idea what the relationship is like between Rodgers and Odell, but that, to me, feels like it would be a factor. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, Odell cares about winning. We've heard that a lot. But I think he also cares about the fact that several years of his career have kind of gone up in smoke. And he was on Hall of Fame trajectory Ooh. as far as popularity and production was considered early in his career. So he needs to regain that. And I'm sure he cares about winning, but he's a huge 
human. We all care about the way that we're perceived. So I think he's going to be well, uh, it's going to be at the front of his mind, like what team he can go to. The same way Tom Brady made sure that he went to a good landing spot, Odell Beckham's going to be smart about where he lands. That's why I think if he ends up choosing his destination, which I think is most likely, you look at a contending team with a with a good quarterback, right. probably a veteran one. Although, again, that New England situation, I, I can't rule it out. So what you're telling us is your expectation is that tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock Eastern time, when we start Get Up, <laughs> our lead story is going to be Odell Beckham has signed somewhere. That, that, I, that's I th- going to it, have happened. It, it, in these situations, we've seen it happen quickly. When Antonio Brown was waived by the Raiders right before the season a couple years ago, Patriots had a deal in place with him an hour later. So it, it would not be unprecedented if something were to happen right away. Yeah, I'm sure there was no tampering involved in that <laughs> whatsoever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance, proud to support veterans with its annual Keys to Progress vehicle giveaway program, now celebrating nine years of donating vehicles, helping veterans in need. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out, as always, and great morning today. Uh, as always, Coming up next, Hembo got a text that summed up just about the way all the fans of one team feel this morning. And you will hear it next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio celebrates Veterans Day. Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns. Shout out to all the veterans, uh, people that have served, and also people that are, are going to be soon stop serving. Uh, thank you so much for everything you've done, your sacrifices. Thank you to the families that are with you guys. Thank you. Celebrating veterans, past and present, on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? All right, so Hembo uh, and the uh, the other assembled members of the Hashtag Crew are with us here. And Hembo, you were telling me this morning about a text you received from a friend of yours named Greg. Yes, Greg sent me a text, Greeny, during the game last night. It's important to note, what juncture of the game was it? This is... Immediately after the Bears were flagged for that uh, on the, unnecessary rough, what, the taunting, the taunting, excuse me, and so so and and before the Steelers had had a chance to score after that. Got it. Okay. And so the text. There's no way the 1919 White Sox fix was any more obvious than whoever is giving this game to the Steelers. And they haven't even kicked the winning field goal yet. So here's the thing. So I think it's always important. So that's what Greg texted Hembo. And, and, and I, I couldn't help but notice, Nuno, how easily Hembo was willing to acknowledge someone who was his friend and who texts him about sports. Mm. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I don't want to sidetrack the topic. I want to make, I think it is always important that we be completely clear about what we're saying because this is a very delicate and important area. I thought the game last night was horribly officiated. 
and I thought it was easy to say and that it felt one-sided. But I want to make clear that my opinion stops there. I do not believe that the, there was anything else going on. I don't believe the game was fixed. I don't believe any of that. I don't think that happens in sports. I, I, I think that people will point back to Tim Donahue all the time, the NBA ref, and I will say, in my opinion, that was a once-in-a-million situation. We've had a few instances of this stuff in history, very few, if you think back at how long this all has been going on. I don't think legalized gambling makes it any more um, uh, likely to happen. In fact, I think it makes it less so because it drags a lot of gambling out of the shadows and into the light. But the point is, I believe the game was badly officiated. It did go at least some distance towards costing the Bears a game last night. And I understand why this is a problem because it does create a perception issue that we have. And as you point out in the Google Doc today, I think you typed this in, and, and um, I think it was Dominique who just said it, with more and more people getting involved in gambling, the NFL may need to prioritize public confidence in the officiating. And so when the ref basically initiates contact with Marsh after that play, the ref is named Tony Carrenti, and in case you didn't watch the game last night, after the taunting, after the celebration that Marsh does, he is running back off the field. He runs near but not into the referee, Tony Carrenti, who, look, I haven't asked him about it directly, but he certainly appears to purposely back into him and give him a little bit of a hip check as he's throwing his flag. It looks bad. It does not look good. And so whether he had any malintention there or not, I believe it is incumbent upon the NFL to react to that some way for exactly the reason you just described. Public confidence in the officiating has never been more important because you have all these people who would never have gambled before who suddenly are, and I think that's a fact. Yeah, and what makes this even worse from last night, regardless of whether or not you agree or not with the taunting call itself, he almost certainly initiates the contact <laughs> and then throws the flag in such a way that he like pimps it. He like holds the follow through yes, high in the air. It, it, it's it, was, very, yep. it was very demonstrative. Th- that's the right word. I'm sorry I interrupted you because you were saying it exactly right. It was very flamboyant. Mm. It was, you know, every now and again we see umpires do that. They'll like sell a third strike call like, yeah. You ever <laughs> see the movie The Naked Gun yeah. where Leslie yeah. Nielsen, he gets to call a guy out and he goes crazy on his call? It, it had a little bit of a feel of that. Yes, it is sort of an ole. He throws, <laughs> I'm throwing a flag. And, and, and um, so there's that. So it does bring us to the question of the day. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. One of about four questions of the day we're going to have today. And I'm going to start with Bubba. Many people may not know this. But Bubba, long before this extraordinarily successful run that he's had here um, in, um, in radio production, was actually the NFL's head of officiating. I don't know that you know that, but prior to Mike Pereira, uh, it, was, it was Bubba. It was Brendan Peregrine, whom all of the officials reported to. And so he was integral in this. He worked with Pete Rozelle, uh, who was the commissioner at the time. So we're going back to the mm. 60s and 70s here uh, on, on, on creating a lot of these rules. He understands the enforcement. So let me ask you a question. Bubba, do you believe that a penalty like that, not blatant holding, not pass interference, not something that influences the outcome of a play, but a penalty like that, that is obviously different. It obviously isn't going, if they don't call it, it's not, it didn't impact a play at all. So it's not going to have any impact on the outcome. Do you believe they should officiate that differently in the final four minutes than they would in the first quarter? 
Yes. You do. You believe they should officiate that differently. Please expand on that thought because you are so learned in this area that I, th- I think we will all benefit from your expertise. I just think it's the right thing to do. I think it's uh, kind of that gray area where obviously if you're looking at the official rule book, the answer is clearly no, you shouldn't do that. But I just think sometimes you have to, you know, swallow the whistle, as they say, or hold the flag in there. And sometimes you have to let things go different, you know, because it's going to cost a team when you really shouldn't. I think it's it's obviously a gray area, but I think it's it's the right thing to do because some of these rules just make no sense. Nuno, do you believe there should be fourth quarter calls and first quarter calls? No, I think we're dealing with two different things here. One is the taunting rule is just ridiculous. And then two is the you call the game one way because a play in the first quarter can affect the outcome anyway. So call the game consistent, call it right, and then get rid of the taunting rule. But let me make clear, Nuno, I make a distinction with this rule. Because this doesn't impact the outcome of the game in any way if you don't call it. Like, I I can see people saying, well, don't swallow the whistle on holding. Don't swallow the whistle on defensive pass interference because that actually impacts how a play plays out. But this does not. So there's no... Literally nothing different happens if he doesn't call that in that situation. And the taunting rule is meant to keep everyone in sort of the right state of mind. You don't want to incite a potential fight. Well, I can see wanting to do that in the first quarter much more than you need to worry about that in the fourth quarter. These guys are much less likely to get into a brawl in the fourth quarter of a one-possession game. Does that impact your thinking at all, Nuno? No, I just uh, no, I just <laughs> I can't think, sell them. No, I just think that the NFL and actually a lot of leagues just need to figure out the right thing, and and I think. As much as I love to kill uh, John Mayer because he's part of this committee mm-hmm. and so forth, and uh, you know Graziano said it was the coaches that wanted this. Like there has to be a happy medium somewhere where it's just like you're not throwing a flag for this because if he did this in the first quarter, are you throwing a flag for this? Like that's I think that's where. I would say... Yeah, that's the like, happy medium. They don't call in the final yeah, four like, minutes. Yeah, like, no, like, if you're going to call this in the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter, call it in the first so that then the players know, hey, I can't do this. Now, there's another happy medium here. See, this is not a program where we will just point out problems. This is a program where we will offer solutions, and Hembo is going to give you that. And by the way, for the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Hembo, there is a way to continue to try and combat taunting, if you believe that is a problem, and also not impact the outcome of a game. What is that way? We should keep enforcing the taunting the same way that we are now, except for one exception, Greeny. Players should be fined for taunting if we want to get it out of the game. You, you, can, you can levy heavy fines, but don't make game-changing penalties. If it's not something that affected the play, allow that play, uh, pay, uh, player excuse me, to pay the price through a fine between games, but in that moment, you have to play on. See, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. So you enforce the taunting with fines Mm -hmm. instead of penalties. They don't impact the game either way. Now, you're going to have a problem with the Players Association because the Players Association would much rather have a player flagged 15 yards 
then fined $15,000 or $30,000 or some other amount of money. But I think you're thinking along the right lines. Find the team. If you want to find the team. Nuno, what do you think of this? Is, is Is the answer in this somewhere here? There's no reason that taunting... Something that does not happen in the play mm-hmm. should be a 15-yard play. Right. Look, the college taunting rules are so ridiculous, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. And you can't, I guess you can't find players in college who aren't, getting, who aren't getting paid in the first place. But I do think that maybe the answer to this, Nuno, is in fines, not penalties. What do you think? I mean, it sounds good, but the problem is what's going to happen is like – is someone on the sidelines taking notes of being like that was he taunted him and like okay, and then, after the game they look at the tape they look at the film and then you know they got the all twenty two the but, ever popular all twenty two but you don't know what he said so you th- like are you putting you might but do get they up know all- what they said in that moment like I don't think Ca- I, Cassius Marsh got got flag fifteen yards because he turned and looked at the Steeler bench I don't know that it matters what he said no if he had been yelling guys dinner tonight at my house after the game we're how all having dinner after the game my house regardless of the outcome he would have gotten the same flag right it would have been the same penalty because he turns and he looks at him like that i mean uh, sure tembo uh, let's <laughs> let's let's find him baba what thoughts? Bubba, what, what what say you but again baba who's whose uh, expertise in this area is is really unmatched what do you think I'm in for the fines. Let's fines. do it. Yeah, All right. I, like the I, fines. Think it's, I think it's a good compromise, and I agree. Let's make, let's have a solution. Greeny rule? Let's We're in on the solution fines. here. This could be greeny rule number three. Let's go. Get rid of the taunting penalties. Merely turn them into fines. I'd also like to propose that a player does scream at an opposing bench Dinner at my house tonight, and let's see if he gets flagged. I want to see if that happens. Like, I like in, a, it. in a menacing, he's screaming, he's going, you know, spits coming out, but he's actually just saying, "Dinner at my house tonight," and let's see if Carenti's throwing a flag. That would be really fun. I do like that. Yes, and then Carenti is throwing flags, and he was like, "I'm just ten tacos tonight. What are you? What are you doing?" Then the demonstrative way that he did. Why do you think he backed into him like that? It has to have been an accident. It has to have been. There's no way. Tony Correnti has been a referee forever. Someone look up how long he's been a referee. Sure. I feel like Tony Correnti has been in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, Keyshawn said he ref games with him. Yeah, so yeah. That's I, a long and, time ago. Before that. I feel like yeah. Tony Correnti was a ref in the league when I was a when kid. I was a kid. Sure. Yeah. 95. 95. He's been a ref in the league 25 years. I mean, Bubba, you may have hired him for all I know. I mean, <laughs> you were out of it by then. But I mean, so, so he's been a ref in the league 25 years. Yeah. He didn't just decide last night, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hip check a player running off the field <laughs> well, in Monday Night that? Football. Why? It has to have been an accident, right? It I'm has not, to have been. I'm not convinced that it was an accident. Well, then what? what, what? Then but what do you think it was? I don't think it was premeditated, but in the moment, he, he heard Marsh mouthing off and gave him a but little... But he wasn't mouthing off at him. No, but he, but he obviously was aware of the thing. I mean, I, what I can't quite tell is, what, is, is if he... Is if he went to go pull for his flag before or after that? Like on the TV show today, it's close. It's really close. Right. Like I'm not convinced that they're unrelated. So you're t- even though he says the contact did mm-hmm. not impact his throwing of the flag, you think that that contact did actually spur him to throw the flag? Maybe he was on the fence. I, I th- yes, I think it was the I think it was the tiebreaker. And, and, and but but once again, he initiates the contact for sure. There's no way in the world. No, no. Could he have done that purposely? Like, like, why would a ref? He knows what's going on. He, he's been a ref 25 years. He's not hip-checking a player running off the field. No. We've seen <laughs> uh, situations where, like, refs make it about, them, about themselves. 
I don't think it was that. Besides, he's old. He could have broken his hip. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> like a, the wrong contact, and uh, like he's done. It, it was a disturbing looking moment. I mean, it really was. So anyway, that we've. Uh, I think we've spent an appropriate amount of time on this because it really was a significant thing. And what we're not doing is talking enough about what an interesting game it was Mm. in a variety of ways. How the Steelers, who were left for dead a month ago, were suddenly right back in the thick of things in the AFC. And how the Bears, despite the fact that they are falling hopelessly out of playoff contention, seem to really have something special in Justin Fields. The development of Justin Fields is the story coming out of last night's game to me. You know the Cross Country Mortgage is dedicated to our nation's heroes. Thank you, veterans and those on active duty. Their team of over 200 CCM vets is dedicated to helping you close. CCM is dedicated to getting it done. Let's do some very quick takes. Greenies Takes. Because uh, I want to save some time for the other stuff I have planned in this hour. But Hembo, again, is a content producer on Get Up. His job is to ask a series of questions to all of our analysts who are coming on the TV show. And then what we do here is I answer them because obviously my answers are going to be Mm. better than theirs. What's the first question? The Broncos blew out the Cowboys on Sunday, Greeny, for the Cowboys. Was that a blip or did Denver show us a blueprint? I'm sorry to say this, Bubba, but it is a blueprint. Mm. It is, however, not one that everyone can follow. The blueprint is this. If the Cowboys' offense doesn't blow you off the field, if they're not scoring points like crazy, then you can do to them what was done to them. The Cowboys' defense is small. They are very reminiscent of the Colts' defense during the Peyton Manning era, which is to say they're built to play from in front. Mm. They're small. they got these edge pass rushers. They're built to come off the ball, go after your quarterback, because you're in throwing mode. If you can get the game to a place, and this is easier said than done against the Cowboys because their offense is so good, but if you can get the the game to a place where you can run the ball, that can be the primary source of your offense, you can run it down their throat. You put multiple tight ends on the field and you run it at the Cowboys, they're not going to be able to stop you. So it is a blueprint, but it's not necessarily one that everyone can follow. What's next? We've all accepted that the Browns are better without Odell Beckham. But are they a Super Bowl contender without Odell? Yes, I think they are. Mm. I think part of their struggles this year, part of how incredibly bad they've looked, has been that they were banged up. I mean, they were startlingly hurt. And remember, they're playing games without either of their running backs and the offensive tackles. They're getting back healthy. They are better without OBJ. That is unquestionable. And the quarterback is better. And if Nick Chubb is healthy and Kareem Hunt comes back healthy, the season is long. I absolutely, I picked the Browns to go to the Super Bowl before the season. And as of right now, in an AFC where nothing really makes sense, I'm good with that. I'm good with that pick right now. Give me one more. Greeny, which teams should sign the aforementioned Odell Beckham? Green Bay. Uh, It's that simple. I think that that if you're looking for a place that he would come in and make the biggest difference, like I think he might go to Tampa because of Brady, but they don't need him. He would add, but they don't need him. I think that Green Bay needs him. I think he might be the difference. He might be the difference between Green Bay winning the Super Bowl and not. I really believe that. Because the the reason I don't take Green Bay in the NFC is because I think all the other teams are better. And Rodgers, for all of the stuff going on around him right now, is the best quarterback of any of them. But he has the worst team. If they get this guy, if they get Odell, and Odell is what he might be, then I don't think Rodgers has the worst team anymore. So to me, that would be the most impactful place that Odell could wind up signing. This is Greeny, where all the guests appear on the Goodyear hotline with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up next, because of a story yesterday that you paid no attention to, sports as we have always known them 
will never be the same. I'll tell you what it was next here on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The Scoop. All right. This was a story you paid no attention to yesterday. I actually heard Christine Lisi mention it during a SportsCenter update yesterday on our show. And you might remember him, but I said, like, wait, what did she just say? <laughs> and we were in the middle of a bunch of other stuff, and I decided not to go back and pursue it. But later in the day, I came across it. And I'm just going to read it to you briefly. The NCAA has set the stage for a dramatic restructuring of college sports with the release of a draft of a new constitution which would provide Division I the autonomy to reshape everything from how revenue is shared to how rules are made and enforced. So Division I is going to break off from everybody else. And you may be saying to yourself, well, Greeny, Division I football, that already exists. I get that. That's not what's going to be impacted by this directly as much as basketball. But do you know what will never be the same again? The NCAA tournament. There is a story that I've, been, I've had in my file for a while, and I haven't gotten to. But Bob Huggins, who's been around forever and is now coaching at West Virginia, told ESPN's Myron Metcalf, the major conferences should create their own postseason event and ditch the NCAA tournament. He said, they're doing it in football. Why wouldn't we do it? The presidents and ADs have all the juice. Why wouldn't they do it? Why, the, the questions, he says, are more why wouldn't they than why would they? And when asked about the Cinderella schools, he said, those Cinderella schools are putting 200 people in their gym. We're putting 14,000. And so that brings us to the question of the day. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. The impact on collegiate sports as we know them of this is going to be enormous. Hemba, what, you played Division three baseball? Division two baseball. Division two baseball. Mm-hmm. So I mean, all of that is, all of the, the, the money that these schools get by competing in, in anything that Division One is included in, the TV money of that is, a, is billions of dollars. So all these smaller schools are going to wind up having to cut programs, get rid of them, all that stuff. That's a given. The question is, will you, will you like the NCAA tournament less without the Cinderella's? That's the question. When you get to see the small school, when Hampton beat Iowa State, when... I forget who it was that beat Michigan State a couple of years ago, a 15 beating uh, Norfolk, a two. Uh, Norfolk State. Uh, whoever it? it was. It doesn't matter. The point of it is it's these Lord. little Cinderella schools. Mm-hmm. Lots of people went to them. Lots of people get excited watching them. Whatever the case may be. Will it take away? Will, you, will your love of the NCAA tournament be diminished if they no longer have the small schools in them? First up, Hembo. Yes, it will be diminished. I, I view the NCAA tournament as almost sacred. It's like the best thing that we have. And I'm not one to squelch innovation, but if we're going to make changes to something that we all universally love, we should be very cautious in doing so. The reason 
The reason the format works so well in part is because of the David versus Goliath thing. Like Goliath didn't fight like a slightly smaller giant in the Bible and become a story. I like the format as we have it right now. I would be very hesitant to change. Fair enough. Uh, That's one opinion there. Um, Nuno, I'll come to you next. Will it diminish your interest in and love of the NCAA tournament if you take out the Cinderella's? No, you'll miss it like that first Thursday, Friday. But after that, you the other day you just want to see the best teams out there. Um, I think maybe you decide then to scale back the tournament a little in terms of not having sixty four teams. Um, but no, I'm all in still. Okay, so we got one no and one yes, and now I come to Bubba. And many of you may not know this, uh, but prior to Bubba's tenure here in radio. Bubba was actually the athletic director at multiple Division three schools. Mm. I, I forget. Was it was it two NESCAC schools and, and then one in the Missouri Valley? Whatever it was. Yeah, two of those and then one. And then two one, and one. One uh, OVC as well. It was an OVC. So, yeah. <laughs> so with that as your background, will it diminish your interest in the NCAA tournament if they don't have the Cinderella's? Oh, yeah. I would say 100%. And I would say it'll diminish – the majority of people is for sure because I think the thing that everyone does on that Thursday, Friday is you gather around, you go to the bar, you watch it, and you root for the underdog, the Cinderella, and you pull for them to win. If you are if you don't have that, that's a major loss. And I, I think, to Hembo's point, it's something that they're innovating that they don't need to change, and it will be a huge loss if all of a sudden you're not having these small schools have these upsets – that's a huge loss to, to me. To be clear, they're not innovating anything. They're keeping the money for themselves. Right. This is not an innovation. It's not a change they would make because mm-hmm. they think it would make it better. It is a change they would make because they don't want to share all right. of this yeah, money, keep more money right. with everybody else. And, and, I, yeah, I, and to Duno's point, they're certainly not going to make less teams. They'd probably keep more. They'd put more teams in. Yeah, that, that, and it would that, just be all you know, Power 5 teams. That That's possible. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this, and we will get to them as we go. I'm Greeny, and we're presented by Progressive Insurance. If your pet is hurt in a car accident, Progressive pays up to $1,000 in vet expenses with free pet coverage. Visit Progressive.com. Anyway, I just thought that was worth mentioning today. Again, I heard Christine say it in a sports center yesterday, and I, I couldn't quite you know, grasp what it was. And I thought, should we pursue that? And, you know, it's a football Monday. I just thought, no, I'm not pursuing that. But as I read it later, I thought, this is a big deal. All right, Tommy Waddle will jump in next on the travesty that was the Bears game last night. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.